Dr. Simon Chow, welcome to Breakfast with Bob Z. Well, thanks for having me. Um, it's my pleasure. Um, I'm not sure where to begin with you, Simon, because you are the grandfather of the green movement in Hong Kong. Um, you've been around doing inspirational things for decades. Um, you are the uh, co-founder of Green Power back in 1988. You are the founder of Produce Green in 1989, which was possibly Hong Kong's first organic farm. You've inspired countless generations of farmers. Um, where to begin? You've, you've published over 200 publications, books and papers. You're a doctor in translation. Um, you've started a whole movement of raw food in Hong Kong. You've been a raw foodist yourself since 2011. Um, you have Club O. You've done so many things and you've been doing it for so long, consistently. And of course, you're an icon in Hong Kong. You know, you're one of Hong Kong's treasures and it's a pleasure to be having you for breakfast. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me, Bobsy. Well, yes, I'm a grandfather of two kids. And you're a grandfather <laughs> of two kids. And I'm turning 70 in a, in a few months time. 70? Yes. Uh, so, well. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's how I managed to publish that many books. Wow. <laughs> you are turning 70. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You look like you're turning not even 60. Well, uh, if my son is here, uh, you might think he's my elder brother. <laughs> Amazing. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, yes. When I was uh, doing my secondary school days, uh, I thought one day I would like to win a Nobel Prize in literature. I wanted to be a writer and then I wanted to be a Catholic priest. Only to realize that if I really become one, I'll be kicked out of the church in six days. <laughs> Otherwise, I would uh, become the first Chinese Pope in Rome. Mm. Quite and ambitious. <laughs> well, um, what happened later was uh, I took up translating. I took up translating because I realized that I won't become a Shakespeare. Um, mm. I can do something secondhand, mm. and that is uh, using my talents to be a bridge between cultures. And, and so I started translating books. I became a researcher, in the, a lecturer in the university. And I think my turning point was when I was 30 years old, I decided to do a doctorate in Britain. And five years in Europe, uh, changed. At the University of Edinburgh? Yes, right. yes. Um, That's when you were 30? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, what happened was, uh, my five years in Europe opened my eyes and that was the beginning of the Green Movement there. You know, anti-nuclear marches. What year was, uh, was this? Uh, 1981. But 1981. When my, uh, uh, my daughter was born. So you were in, 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 in the Edinburgh, UK, in, yes. in, in Edinburgh at the yes. time in 1981. Yeah. Mm. And you were still taking your doctorate, you're yes. still studying uh, for your doctorate. At the same time, I uh, learned about things like organic farming, homeschooling, vegetarianism, anti-nuclear uh, movements, 
and whatnot and recycling and so you kind of got inspired about that when mm -hmm. you were in Edinburgh yes was it a particular person or movement or book uh, that really inspired not you not in those time? days but uh, on graduating that is 1970 I came across a book by Rachel Carson, The ah. Silent Spring, ah. you know, and Classic. that, you know, uh, that uh, totally, um, you know, uh, shocked me. Uh, do you know the planet is coming to an end? And it was the first time I heard this kind of alarming, you mm. know, uh, mm. uh, statements. And at that time, nobody in Hong Kong was thinking along that line. No. And we thought it was very okay. Yeah. The air was okay, the water was okay, the food is no, no problem. Even today, people think the uh -huh. air is okay, the food uh -huh. is okay, there's no problem. Until I, um, I spent my time in Europe and saw what the activists are, are doing there. Mm. And when I returned in 1984 with my doctorate and two kids, mm. and I realized that it's our mission to tell Hong Kong and China, my mother country, that all is not okay, mm. you know. Uh, if there's a future, it must be green. Mm. And the only way to keep Hong Kong survivable is to keep China clean. clean. Mm. If China is dirty, we are hopeless. Mm. So um, I think, well, in those days, China was quite closed. Yes. Uh, they have um, not much access to the outside world. They can't read the Newsweek. They don't have the CNN. And so it's our uh, mission as translators to transmit those things. Yes. Well, you know, what happened was uh, 35 years ago, one day I was sitting in my garden in Cambridge. Only to realize that, well, yes, I am using the two most used languages in the world. 22% uh, of the world population speaks Chinese as their first language. And then something like 40% of uh, all of us speak English. Mm. So I'm transpiring between the two languages. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, You had I that realization in Cambridge. Yes. Uh, it dawned on me, you know, uh, uh, that day in the garden. I still remember. Mm. So I, that is why I try translating. And my philosophy of translating is unlike everybody else. I don't encourage people to translate a book. Books right. are not to be translated. Mm. Uh, instead, a good translator should read 10 of them and come up with a, another book in their own language for their people. Mm. So this book should be like this in Hong Kong and there should be another version in Shanghai. Right. For one thing, people in Hong Kong won't read a book like that, uh, with 300 pages, you see. And so uh, most of my books are translations, but they are not exactly translating mm. in the normal sense. Right. I lived, uh, uh, for example, vegetarianism. You don't translate a book about, you know, uh, a meatless lifestyle. You try it yourself and write your own. Mm. So it's almost like you are reinterpreting the book mm. as a new author onto exactly, yourself. Exactly, exactly. Does that require getting permission from the original author or is it almost like writing a new uh, book? That's tricky. Well, you bring this up. Yes. Now, if you ask an author, can I do this? And the answer is no. Right. Uh -huh. uh, but then uh, I want to give credit to all my you know, inspired, inspirers. And so, well, sometimes I uh, translate them direct, 
yes. uh, with footnotes and, uh, and if I need to alter things or trim it down, uh, I'll let them know. Uh, I'll do that with their blessings. Wonderful. Mm. And then on returning to Hong Kong, uh, that is 30 something years ago, I suddenly become, became a one-man pressure group. You know, I, in 1984 when you came back, exactly. right? Yeah. And I was the only one who speak loudly about all kinds of green issues. You know, organic farming, uh, green commuting, green architecture, uh, homeschooling, uh, campaign against vaccination, uh, uh, mm, all kinds of, of feminism yes. and c concern for the South. So when you came back to Hong Kong in 1984, you felt an urge and a need to be vocal. Very much so. To speak up. Yes. So you were getting media attention, radio, uh, very television. Very much so, yes. And they I, must have found you very odd at the time. Mm -hmm. At one time, uh, I was doing uh, full-time lecturing in university for my livelihood, and I was writing 10 columns regularly every day and every week for wow. 10 50 different places. Wow. And I think I've, uh, uh, may, maybe that's a world record. Uh, I wrote uh, at the same concurrently for three, uh, three magazines representing three religions. Ah. Uh, one of us, a Protestant uh, uh, church uh, uh, organ, one is the Catholic church organ here, and another one is the Buddhist mm. uh, in Taiwan. And, and, and another one, one more, a Buddhist magazine here. So four different uh, publications, three religions. You should look into that and see if that is a record. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and well, um, I'm glad that, that they can tolerate me, you know. Yes. I, I, I tested them to the limits. Absolutely, <laughs> wonderful. But because you were an unusual voice, you must have got mm. a lot of media attention. Mm. They must have mm. loved you, right? They mm. must have wanted to, mm -hmm. to spread what you were saying to their readers? I would say that I'm a 50% media person. I worked as a, an editor, a translator, um, a program host in TV stations, radio stations. Yes. And I, I almost worked as a, a, in a PR firm and I knew everything inside out about the media. Mm. So I know how to play around with the TV stations and and I have good connections with mm, them, mm. and that helps a lot. Yes, and you still do? Uh, well, yes, yes, 40 years on. Mm. That's, that's amazing, Simon, to, to hear your story. And, um, you know, I came to Hong Kong in 92, mm. so this is considered by many as well as, the, you know, the very early days. Mm. Um, but you already talking and writing and publishing books in the mid 80s and and then you came to found Green Power. Mm -hmm. Was that the first organization you founded and what were the challenges around that back in 1988? Well, um, in back in the mid 1980s, there were already two green groups in Hong Kong. One is the Conservancy Association uh, that that was the first one, and then Friends of the Friends of the Earth Hong Kong was established. Yes. But um, I don't think uh, they are doing uh, the most effective way to to turn the place green. Mm. Uh, they were focusing on the environment. Mm. But uh, it, well, uh, there's no harm uh, focusing on the environment, no. except that people will 
think that well is about cleaning up the water and the air and taking care of the garbage. Mm -hmm. Which back uh, then was important, right? Yes, yeah. but my vision was we should have green architecture, green uh, commuting, and green medicine, green education, yes. green arts, and green media. Prince Charles, of course, in the UK mm -hmm. was advocating that, wasn't mm -hmm. he? Yeah. So uh, everything is our concern. Now, if you, are, uh, if you were an, an environmentalist, they will say, well, that, well, we are doing education. It's not your cup of tea. Mm. But I think uh, we, have, we should have, we will turn everything green. Everything's interconnected. Yes. And then people came to me and said, why don't you run for an office in the government or start a, a green party? My answer is, uh, A, I'm not a political animal. You know, uh, even I know that even if you become the uh, president of the uh, United States or of China, there's nothing much you can do. As we've seen, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, um, one good example is Al Gore. Mm. Well, I actually met him before he ran for the vice presidency. Yes, yes. And I knew that, you know, even with people like him up there, or another one is, I'm sorry to say, my good friend, uh, 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 Christina Lowe. Yes. Well, um, she, there's not much you can do in no. the government, you no. see. And I think our mission should be make every party a green party. If the conservatives uh, come to power, they are they are a green party. If the Labour's come to power, uh, and there's another, they yes. should be out greening each other. Absolutely. Uh -huh. As um, the famous uh, Green Party politician in Germany used to say, mm. Mm. "We are not to the left. No. We are not to the right. We're in front. We are ahead." Mm. Of course. Mm. I mean, because. I used to encounter the same thing is, oh, you're an environmentalist. You just focus on the environment. Mm, exactly. Mm. But wait a minute, everything is the environment. Mm. The economy, the government, the education system, all the institutions, mm -hmm. everything is the environment. But then if you are in front, you're in trouble. People don't understand you. You stick your neck out. Uh -huh. But, but what I realized is, well, there's one saying which is very true. And that is, first, they ignore you then they argue with you and then they take you for granted. Mm. I remember 34 years ago when I was riding my bike to the office in the university, everybody thought the Chinese university is crazy, you know, uh, uh, hiring someone to lecture and who uh, promote uh, using less plastic bags and riding a bike to work, you know. But then now, out 30 years on, uh, is everywhere. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, uh, you know, uh, uh, banning smoking. And well, one of my uh, favorite campaigning was uh, against baby formula milk. Mm. Uh -huh. And you, re you remember uh, yes. that episode in Peninsula Hotel? No, mm. I remember there was, it must be 1994. Mm. Uh -huh. uh, one uh, woman tried to breastfeed feed, uh, her baby uh, in the uh, hall uh, cafe, Peninsula mm. uh, Hotel. Mm. And she was uh, uh, polit uh, politely asked to do it in the bathroom. And she called the manager and said, well, um, you don't want to have your meal in your bathroom. I won't want my baby uh, in the bathroom. And so uh, one week later, we organized a coup 
uh, I have my camera ready. I, I, I sat there at, at nine o'clock. And then the uh, mothers came, arrived, they sat around. At exactly 10 o'clock, everybody, uh, 15 of them, started breastfeeding the baby, breast, uh, bearing their breasts in front of, every, uh, of everyone. So we have the cameras ready. No video then? Uh, well, there's no live Facebook Live. Wow. <laughs> and it was in, uh, in the headlines the following day in the Morning Post. Did the manager come out? Uh, well, yes. And then he went? Yeah. <laughs> you can imagine. Help. He ran away. When you saw the hotel. And then they started having the, uh, those uh, special rooms for uh, 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 mothers. Mm -hmm. And well, we, we used to do things like that. We used to uh, stood before the uh, one McDonald branch uh, protesting what? Uh, they have um, in their chips, the French fries. Uh, they have animal products. Mm. Uh, 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 the, the grease uh, comes from the cows. What? What do we call this? Uh, the the spinal cord. Right. Right, uh -huh. right. And then we saw Chinese Chinese monk uh, uh, nuns uh, 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 chewing uh, uh, and uh, without being warned. Yeah, yeah. And so we started some protesting. And <laughs> I think it's time to start doing that again. You mm. know, with with the amount of plastic that's being used. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was in a famous coffee shop um, the other day, mm -hmm. actually waiting to come to your restaurant, to, mm -hmm. to Greenwoods. Mm -hmm. I was doing some work, um, you know, the biggest chain in Hong Kong, right? And I was watching people getting their coffee cups with their plastic lids, mm -hmm. sitting down on the table, taking off the plastic mm -hmm. lid and drinking the coffee. Mm -hmm. Now that plastic lid is going to be around for 500 years, it's going nowhere. Mm. And the girls next to me, they were eating muffin, mm. and one of them was eating a croissant with a plastic knife and a plastic fork. And everyone was doing this inside the coffee shop. This is Hong Kong. And my blood pressure was going up and up, and I was feeling sad, mm -hmm. I was feeling hurt, I was feeling mm. depressed almost. Mm. Why? Are they using so much plastic? It's not even takeaway. They're mm -hmm. eating inside the restaurant. Mm. And then they don't have any, this is Starbucks. Mm -hmm. And they don't have any recycling bins. Mm -hmm. Crazy. So why don't we mm -hmm. contact the management of Starbucks mm -hmm. and say, listen, we will give you three months mm -hmm. to start recycling, mm -hmm. to move away from plastic. Mm -hmm. If you don't, we will start a campaign. Mm -hmm. Very simple. We give them three months. Mm -hmm. If Mana Cafe can do it, mm -hmm. if Mana can compost and recycle and be zero mm -hmm. food waste mm -hmm. and zero waste, mm -hmm. of course Starbucks mm -hmm. can do it. Mm -hmm. And Simon, you know what? I think it's time to start doing this peaceful, insightful mm -hmm. way of putting pressure on these big corporates mm -hmm. to stop pumping out plastic. Mm -hmm. Because I love your idea of you, you, you going to McDonald's and demonstrating for them <laughs> to stop, you know, putting mm -hmm. animal products into their chips. And mm -hmm. I think it's time we did that now because now we have social media. Mm -hmm. Things can be very easy. We can time. reach yeah. thousands of people mm -hmm. very quickly, and we have, mm -hmm. as you know, the young generation in Hong Kong now are quite quite aware. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of our customers are young Hong Kong University students or mm -hmm. even secondary students. Mm -hmm coming to us saying mm. we are vegan mm -hmm. and we are proud. Mm. Young teenagers. Mm. 
mostly because of the environment, mostly mm -hmm. because of the eco footprint of mm -hmm. meat, fish, and dairy. So there's definitely a big awakening yes. amongst exactly. the youth in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what uh, uh, we are very happy to see. Well, right. you mentioned you came to Hong Kong in '92. Yes, that was my turning point, so somewhat. Mm. In '94, uh, I started the vegetarian society mm. in Hong Kong. Mm. You know, um, because I thought uh, at that time that. Uh, you try very hard to tell people to protect the environment and they just look at you and turn away mm. you know you talk about saving the polar bear and they wouldn't care no no uh, but if you start talking about eating you know they all come they do care uh, uh -huh. so um i think uh, turning people's mind green starts with turning their diet mm. and also when you turn vegetarian, when you're eating greener, uh, you become a different person. It's a different lifestyle, a different uh, way of looking at life yes. and, your, and your future. Okay, and, and then I started the vegetarian restaurant. In those days, uh, you know, people just thought that uh, you are crazy, you know, you're anti-scientific, you are superstitious and you don't know what you're talking about. How can you survive uh, without meat? You know, where do where you, get? you get your protein? protein. <laughs> and the other one is and calcium. And B12. B12. Yeah, B12. Uh, and calcium, what, you don't drink milk? How do you get calcium? Mm -hmm. Okay, and, but then a few years on, people came to me and said, well, uh, giving up meat is good, but there is another way, a better way, a more ultimate way to eat naturally and that is living food, mm. uh, raw. Well, I was suspicious, but then there was the book Fit for Life. Mm. Fit for Life. Uh, that book that inspired me uh, changed many people's About mindset. About food combining. Yes, and, yeah. and I read that book, and uh, I was quite impressed. So I started turning uh, uh, raw mm. gradually, mm. and I discovered that it is, uh, uh, that makes sense. I came across raw, totally raw people in Spain, in America, and in Africa, and they are totally different species of animals. They look vibrant, they have uh, their mission, they are very nice, affectionate. Creative. Creative, yeah. yes, and they look much younger yeah. than their age. Then I thought there must be something mm. there. So um, I started turning raw. And eventually, in uh, 2011, I turned totally raw. Mm. I suddenly became a different person. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm. And what happened was, uh, and then uh, I, well, 12 years ago, I gave myself a luxurious gift. And that is, I resigned from the university. And that was a Baptist Jew at the time, yes, right? Yeah. Uh, and I started full-time, you know, doing campaigning and educating. Uh, well, never in my wildest dreams would I imagine one day I become a boss. Mm. I start my own business, become an entrepreneur, mm. and making money, uh, which I need for, you know, for survival yes. with my shops. And I never uh, have... I never imagined one day I become a healer. Mm. I uh, would teach uh, Qigong, Tai Chi, or uh, I would uh, 
you know, do food mm. to serve people, mm. you know. Mm. Uh, well, that's life. Mm. Uh, it's, it's a different runway, and I, I learned along the way. I suppose you did. Yes. <laughs> you make it up as you go along, right? Mm -hmm. And you teach what you needed to learn most. Yes. When the pupil is ready, the master turns up. Yes. And as I. And when the master's ready, <laughs> the students turn up. <laughs> well, yes, yes. Uh, uh, so my, my students are turning up mm. uh, and I'm glad to see that mm. Mm. and suddenly I, re I realized again that our mission should be in China. Mm. What happened was when you tell people uh, to you know uh, turn vegetarian, eat raw in Hong Kong, uh, their response is quite slow. But when you do exactly the same thing in Putonghua, in uh, that part of the border, all over China, uh, their, uh, their reaction is phenomenal. Right. Now, you know, uh, can you imagine, after you know, one evening's lecture or demonstration, some, there are uh, dozens of people in the audience who turn raw. And then three months afterwards... From one lecture. One lecture, one evening. So you must have inspired them. Mm -hmm. And then, after three months, you see them again, the, you know, they became, became different persons, and their ailments gone, and their community, their family turned raw, and you know, that's uh, quite rewarding, isn't it? And this is in different parts of China? Yes. Across China? Now, now I, I have been all over China in the yeah. past two years, yes. and so actually my energies are more and more channeling uh, north. That's, that's very impressive and um, I, I completely agree with you. China is, is such a vast, vast country mm, yeah. and it's a country that's been damaged and mm. hurt in the past, right? Mm. So a message of changing mm. our diets, changing mm. our lifestyles from mm. within mm. peacefully mm. Mm -hmm. is, I believe, like you do, mm -hmm. the way forwards. Mm -hmm. And food has such a big impact. Mm -hmm. You know, the old adage, we are mm -hmm. who, uh -huh. what we eat, right? Mm -hmm. It's very true. Mm -hmm. As we eat, it changes our nature, because after mm -hmm. all, we are made from food, right? I think that is also meaningful for the Hong Kong community uh, at this point in history, mm -hmm. because I suppose we all know that uh, people are very, pessimistic and down these days you know there's no outlet they can't see anything we can do uh, we are kind of uh, controlled by Beijing but uh, I just think the opposite way you know uh, I told my students 30 years back that uh, we should be turning China uh, uh, green and we should be the hope of a future China because we know about the world outside. It's our mission to tell them, you know, uh, what's happening out, out there. Mm. And now I think uh, people in Hong Kong like me can contribute tremendously to the uh, entire Chinese community, starting by changing their diets, mm. telling them, you know, there's a much better and more healthy way to eat for the planet, for your own good, and you know what, uh, they listen.
they know how terrible uh, uh, their uh, diet is. Mm. They know that. Mm. And even the uh, vegetarian uh, restaurant owners know that they are not offering the most uh, nutritious or healthy food in the world. And so they like to come to Hong Kong and see us in operation. Yes. And many of our dishes, uh, they just take it back. And so our students are now doing what we do all over China. Mm. And some of their dishes are more attractive than ours too. Mm. Well, one day I hope you know you go to parts of China and try the raw cakes, for example, mm. uh, in, a, in a Chinese version. Chinese, uh, um, uh, but uh, with noodles. interesting names mm. like Simon Chow's stew, <laughs> Dr. Simon's mm. raw pudding. Mm. You know, they're naming all these dishes uh, after you. I hope. Uh, well, yes, I think uh, uh, they are using my brand names yes. in their own way, and you know that helps. Yes. And people kept asking me, why don't you open, uh, you know, 200 cafes all over yes. China? Well, that is exactly possible, but that's not what we want to do. No. I want my students to do their own thing in their own way, uh, you know, after our inspiration. Yes, yes. Uh, we can transfer the technology. It's easy to learn how to do noodles, yes. uh, you know, uh, from our shop or cakes. Yes. But then, uh, if you come to our shop, you see, uh, it's a different culture, you know. Uh, people ca uh, uh, came to our shop, start eating and they cry because the energy. Uh, our kitchen is a meditative kitchen. Mm. Every morning, not half past nine, they start, uh, you know, sitting together or standing to, uh, in a circle and start meditating. Beautiful. Every morning. Every morning for something like 20 minutes. That's and amazing. And then uh, people uh, should not speak unless it's absolutely necessary. Yes. And so it's a quiet kitchen and we do everything in a meditative mood. And that is why the energy of the food is different. We thank the food. Into the food. Into the food. And uh, it's the heating power there. Amazing. That is, oh. that is so inspirational, Simon. And last year, uh, there was another turning point for me. Six years ago, I kept telling people that, you know, uh, doing a business is not my cup of tea. I don't care about earning money, you know. Uh, I don't know how to make money and let's, let me try. That, that kind of attitude, uh, you know. Uh, that is because for my entire life so far, money is never a concern. Mm. You know, uh, my salary from a university is good enough to feed uh, the family comfortably. Mm. So I thought, when I, when I got my doctorate, I, th I thought that, well, I, I, I don't need to deal with money for the rest of my life. Mm. And that was correct, until I opened my shop. Mm. And you know, there's a cash flow uh, concern every day. And, and then I realized it is my mission to start a new culture in entrepreneurship. You know, uh, you can uh, make money and be happy. You can be spiritual and you can be abundant. Mm. And that's what I'm training uh, uh, people now. Through Greenwoods, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. But the, the fact that you have opened an entity which is mm -hmm. a business mm -hmm. 
you have to pay rent, mm -hmm. you have to pay salaries. salaries. Has that changed the game for you? Because that puts on pressure mm. when your overheads uh, become mm. very heavy mm. and mm. sometimes, you know, sales aren't so good mm. or things happen as they do. Mm. That changes the game somewhat, doesn't it? Very much so. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, uh, you can feel very nervous mm. about this, mm. especially when you don't have a capital. Mm. I, uh, well, I use my uh, savings uh, to start. Uh, that, mm. That's that, mm. you know. Uh, um, so, well, um, but uh, I think my trick is to surrender. I started by telling myself that if it is the universe who wants me to go on, well, uh, they will, the universe will, will, will help. I, I like that saying that the entire universe conspires to realize your dream. If you have a dream, yeah. and if you how to ask, uh, you know, uh, yeah. you get everything you want. Mm. And miracles came all the time and because but uh, if uh, one day my shop is closed because I don't have enough cash, and that means the universe wants me to do something else. So I have no pressure. So you let go. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite um, sayings is, you know, do your best and trust the universe to do the rest. Mm -hmm. But it's that element of trust, Simon. Mm -hmm. That people struggle with, mm. because in order to let go, mm. to surrender, and let God, let let go to let God come, mm -hmm. then you have to trust. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people say, trust. What do you mean? Trust in what? Trust in myself. Trust in God. Trust in mm -hmm. in the universe. Mm -hmm. What is this trust? And. I learned how to trust, to surrender, to let go many years ago. And that gave me a lot more courage, a lot more energy, mm. a lot more passion, mm. a lot more enthusiasm. Mm. Because, you know, I've been dealing with mm. Hong Kong business people, landlords uh, for 24 years. And they can be, you know, very aggressive, like business people all over the world. So you're not meeting on the same paradigm. It's a different consciousness. They think you're stupid and naive because you don't care about money. So they take advantage of you. But coming back to trust, how did you find your trust? It's very simple. Miracles. You know, when you see miracles uh, every day, um, you realize that everything happens for a good reason. You are where you should be you are where you should be mm. uh, and then I, I know that I, I just you know uh, do it I, I don't just do it I, I, I let the universe do it so I don't have to do it and so is the, the uh, in Christian terms it's my father's business not my business so I'm just taking care of the everyday chore yes and when did you first start to discover this trust or this this worldview, this way of looking at the world. You think this started to come to you in the 70s or did it first start to come to you in the early 80s when you were in England? Or? No, uh, just uh, recently, ah. with a lot of pain. Right. Mm, 
but uh, sometimes you have to learn it the hard way. You know, you start worrying and you don't know what you uh, were supposed to do. But then you, uh, I was teaching people to do it at the same time. You know, so I'm taking the lesson myself. And then uh, gradually I read books, I attend courses, uh, pay to uh, have uh, sessions uh, by uh, masters and I learned all the way step by step. If you can recommend one book to someone who is an absolute beginner, mm -hmm. which book would you recommend? Mm. Ah, that's a good question. Only one book. Someone who's completely new to all of this. My own. <laughs> which <The> one? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Which one? One book. Mm. I know that's a, a very cruel question. Uh, in Chinese, uh, it's look six something like that. Green mind power. Mind power. Mind power. My power. Mind. Oh, mind. mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, power. I think uh, everything is our projection. Everything happens because uh, we started uh, something in there. Mm. Uh, you know about the zero limits. Yes. Yes. I was thinking along that line. Yes. You know, uh, things happen because you have some undesirable um, things inside. People are fighting. Uh, people are doing all kinds of bad things. Uh, it all is all your res own responsibility. It's yours. It's mine. But then, uh, you know, we are one. It's all our collective consciousness. So you don't need to change anything outside. You just try to look inward and changing this. It's a bit like the sound now. Mm. This drumming and this going on. Mm. This doesn't happen every day. No. <laughs> this is unusual. Mm. So this has become part of our conversation now. Mm. We have a background mm. music happening, mm. which is Chinese culture, right? I hope it's not too loud. That Mm. They can't hear us. How's your juice? Well, wonderful. Yes. Mm. That's um, what we call an earth juice. Mm. It's a red, golden, green. Mm. So beetroot, carrot, and celery. Oh, wow. But you might need to shake it a little bit. Mm. It's my favorite. Mm. And here we have some jasmines from your table, right? Uh -huh. mm. Such a beautiful <laughs> smell. It's mm. a lovely smell. And tell me, what do we have here in front of us? We have a little uh, leaflet. Uh, it's, uh, in Chinese characters, it's, uh, it's uh, living food. Living food. Uh, living food for a life, for a new life. Uh, it's uh, a little pamphlet to explain uh, what's happening when you eat raw. Right. But personally, I prefer to be precise uh, the term living food to raw food. Right. Because raw is not necessarily living, right. and vice versa. Now, what I mean is, uh, if you have, say, uh, among beans, okay, uh, it is uh, raw, but it's alive, but uh, if you uh, put it there, sit it there for five years, it's dead. Right. It's, it's still raw, right. but there's no life, right. you right. see? Right. Like dried uh, shrimps, they are raw, but they are not uh, living. Uh, we need the, the living elements there, which yes. is enzymes, yes. you see. Yes. And on the other hand, some of our uh, food 
is cooked, but it is still living uh, because germs are working there. Uh, like, uh, for example, uh, our kefir uh, uh, or soy, uh, soy sauce. Yes. Uh, some soy sauce remain living. You know, uh, you, you put it sitting there and it, uh, th things happen. Yes. Mm bacteria and Bacteria, yeah. enzymes mm. and mm. kombucha as well, kombucha, right? Yes, and miso. Miso. Uh, miso is not raw, uh, but it's living. Mm. So, um, Kimchi as well, right? Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, I would prefer a living food uh, environment mm. and a living food uh, will start. But you know, people uh, now get used to say raw. Uh, so you mm. should be calling your future restaurants living foods. Exactly. Right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm. Living foods, and mm. you know, there it is. Mm. Start mm. spreading a chain mm -hmm. in China, but mm. you probably don't want to get involved with business, right? At uh, this stage, uh, no, well, yes, and no, I don't mm. know. Yes. Uh, it, again, it's the universe deciding it. Uh, people are, are coming to us every week and say, Well, let's offer something. Demand is growing exponentially. Yes. What about your children? Are they interested in any of this? Now, uh, I think. Uh, we soon be uh, changing people. Mm. We just provide an environment. What happened to my kids? I have a son, I have a daughter, and at our home, uh, there's no meat, no, uh, 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 no milk, no egg. Uh, but uh, if they go out to the McDonald's, they have their barbecues for, uh, uh, or birthday parties with, with their friends, it's okay for us. Mm. Uh, I, I never lectured. And, uh, in 30 odd years, there's not, not a single sentence from me saying how bad meat is. Mm. Mm. But then uh, they see my example. Uh, the important thing is they see that uh, their parents are surviving well uh, without meat. Mm. And that on her 14th birthday, suddenly our daughter said, uh, well, I'll be raw, uh, raw for the rest of her life. I mean, I mean living, a uh, uh, vegetarian. I will turn vegetarian, vegetarian right. for the rest of my life. Okay, and so we said, why not? And then my son was almost vegetarian until he got married. Ah. And, and well, uh, he was married to our vet. And, and they're not, uh, well, uh, they're quite healthy right. uh, in terms of diet. It's okay for me, you know. Mm. Uh, they are my, they're not my, my pets. Uh, no. they, they can decide for themselves. Of course. But then, when I turned vegetarian, people around me gradually, you know, uh, uh, did the same thing. Like my wife, uh, or my parents-in-law. And, and is your daughter still vegetarian? Uh, yes, yes. Um, vegan. Yes. Vegan, yes. wonderful. Just reminded me of something. You're familiar with this book, right? The mm, sure, yes, yes. Yeah. Have you translated this into Chinese? I'm so, yes, uh, there are, there's more than one translation. Yes. You know the mm. bit where he speaks about children? Mm. You, you just reminded me of that. Mm. And the woman who held the baby against her bosom said, speak to us of children. And he said, your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, yet they belong not to you. Mm -hmm. 
So these are the words of wisdom from Khalil Gibran. Mm -hmm. You just reminded me of that. Well, speaking about parenthood, I know as a parent that, um, you know, uh, kids never listen to their parents. They only copy them. <laughs> ah, <laughs> I like that. I like mm -hmm. that. But my point was, your son or your daughter, mm -hmm. are they not interested in perhaps taking living foods mm -hmm. and expanding it as a business in China? Uh, and well, no, no. No. Well, um, well frankly, uh, I would like a family team, uh, like what happens in the sound of music. Mm. <laughs> the entire family uh, doing shows uh, everywhere uh, with my band and my kitchen and whatnot. But then I respect them. And mm. um, if you ask my daughter, the last thing she wants you to know is, is Simon's daughter. She would like to stand up as an individual be, be, on, herself. be herself. And that's a good thing. Yeah, of course. And they are now very uh, green in their own way. For one thing, uh, my son uh, will be uh, the first uh, teacher in a school uh, promoting uh, Forest education here in uh, Hong Kong. Here in Hong Kong oh, wow. is uh, uh, one international school, international school mm. where he teaches, and he, uh, the school sent him to England uh, to do a course. And I think he's now the first trained forest educator in Hong Kong. Well, oh, how wonderful! Uh, you know what happened was uh, two months ago. One uh, Sunday, I suddenly realized that uh, there were two reports, one on him and one on me, on the same day in the Morning Post. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> uh, uh, on him, on me, about uh, urban farming, and on him, about forest schools. Brilliant. <laughs> That's amazing. I, 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 you know, I, I subscribed to the Morning Post, I, I opened it, and I, I saw my coverage. Uh, and then uh, my son told me, well, uh, he was at, at, at the back. Lovely. <laughs> You've kept a copy. Yes. You've kept a copy. <laughs> and I'm proud of this. Forestry. So your, your son has been into protecting trees, planting trees, uh, raising awareness no, about no, trees. No, no. It's about uh, taking kids to the forest and, mm. and be educated. Right. Well, let nature speak. Yes. Have you been to the Lama Forest at all in all these years? Uh, the Lama Forest in North Lama? Uh, well, um, not exactly uh, going through it. Right. Uh, you know, uh, passing by. Mention, and, mention yes. that to your son, mm -hmm. because this is the forest we planted. We started mm -hmm. planting it in 1997. Mm. And now we have upwards of 30,000, 40,000 trees wow. growing wild. Mm. Um, so it would be very interesting if your son could mm -hmm. come to the Lama Forest and you know have a look or bring his students or maybe give us some advice. Mm, very good. Because back then mm. the government was urging us to plant exotic species. Like back then, acacias no, and no, casuarinas, no, no. eucalyptus. Oh, oh, that was 20 years ago. Yeah, okay. that's what they told us. That's what they did because these were hardy, sturdy, pioneering mm. species. But then, ten years after, we no, realized they, they know that better. we should only plant native, indigenous trees. Of course. And um, that's what we started doing with the help of the uh, Kuduri farm. Mm. With the 
advice from the Kaduri farm. And so the last 10 tree plantings were only local, mm. either Hong Kong or South China trees. Mm. Um, and, and they do okay. They, they you know, one, once the ground is set. Um, but yeah, the, the, it's, the forest is up there and now it's self-seeding through wind and bird droppings and rodents. It's mission accomplished. There's no need to plant any more trees in North Lama. Good for you. Yeah, it's, it's done, you know. Um, and of course, everybody wants to plant trees now for educational purposes, schools, corporates, businesses. But, uh, you know, I don't have so much time these days to... Because that takes a lot of time, a lot of efforts, a lot of red tape, a lot of work, a lot of writing, getting permission from the government. And then some villagers object because they object, and then you have to reapply, and it's not easy. But anyway, all, all is good. That's wonderful, Samuel. And it's good to know that the younger generation is, is taking up the baton and yes. they're doing the, their things in their own way. Yes. Um, very much more effective than yes. us, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So are you, are you optimistic about the future of Hong Kong and the younger generation? Sure. You know, pessimism is not an option. I like that. I like that. I like that very much. Pessimism is not an option. Agreed. 100%. I think uh, our bodies are, are made to run for 150 years. So I have another 70 years ahead. You plan to live to over 100? Um, uh, technically, uh, we should survive 150, according to biology. Yes. But then it's not easy because of the pollution, no, of this kind of lifestyle. A background um, to you know. growing up, eating all sorts of food. But then, you know, uh, if that's the plan, well, we'll do it. So Let's be do it. it. Mm. So, Simon, just going back, you know, 30 years, going back mm -hmm. into the midst of this, mm. this movement, um, there's a story about you campaigning to raise awareness about MSG. Mm -hmm. please, please share that story with us. Oh yes, and before that, you know, I returned to Hong Kong with my doctorate in 84 and the first thing I heard about the uh, uh, green campaign in Hong Kong was the anti-Diabay uh, movement, mm. you know, uh, what happened was... So Diabay is a nuclear plant, uh, Yes, right? uh, at our back door. Yes. Mm -hmm. We obviously, at, at, in those days, we didn't want it and so uh, it was led by a, an Anglican minister, Reverend Fong, Fong Chi Wood. Uh, uh, we call him Wood, okay. Wood, what happened was, uh, he started collecting people's signature. Mm. At that time, there were four million people living in Hong Kong. We managed to collect one million signature, which is a, a very high proportion, wow. you know. Uh, wow. We collected one million signature, and we, uh, we took it to Beijing. And you know what happened? They say, just because you people won't uh, want it, we'll do it. Oh. Uh -huh. uh, otherwise, they, uh, uh, they will think they will lose their authority. Lose face. Lose face. This is 1985. Yes, and then uh, now we have the, the diabay there, uh, the plant. And two years later, 
is around 86 or 87, uh, there was a worldwide anti-MSG movement. And I was with the Conservancy Association, mm -hmm. so the association took it up. Oh, you were a member of the Conservancy yes, Association? Yes, I was I in the committee. Well, at that time, the, uh, the entire um, association have uh, a, 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 well, we've only got less than 10 active members. It, it was a very low app, okay? Yes. And one of the things we did was to turn away from caring for the environment. Well, I, I, I thought it was my idea. Let's, I say, let's put down our care for the, the, uh, the, uh, this, the uh, noise and the water. Why don't we uh, care about our food? Mm. And so we targeted MSG. Mm. Well, with our, uh, uh, the few of us uh, started telling everybody, I make good use of my media connection. And we were on radio shows, TV shows, and interviews uh, almost every day mm. for a fortnight. Mm. Everybody in Hong Kong was talking about MSG. Mm. And then uh, uh, people realized that after all, MSG is not a good thing. Mm. You know what happened uh, uh, in those days? If you are in Taiwan, if you are in Taiwan, uh, you go to a wedding party. Uh, your gift should be one uh, kg of kilogram of MSG. Really? That is, uh, you know, a wedding party, yes. a standardized uh, gift. Mm. And in Beijing, according to the official stand, MSG is good for your brain. It, mm. uh, it's very positive. So when we tell people uh, that uh, MSG is, after all, anti-health, uh, people were shocked. Um, they took it for granted. And oh yes, uh, I remember in those days when uh, you go to a restaurant in China, you know, a, a bowl of soup is 50 cents. Mm -hmm. And a bowl of soup with MSG is double, wow. one dollar. And they give you uh, MSG and you put, uh, you add as much as you like for the extra flavor, uh, yeah. for extra 50 cents. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, we were changing people's mindset, and after that, the consumption of um, MSG uh, dropped drastically. So much so that the large companies uh, are losing money, and I got a call. Um, well, it's the first time I uh, uh, relate this story in public, mm. and after 30 years, I got a call from the number one manufacturer. You know, MSG started in Japan uh -huh. uh, exactly 100 years ago. Okay, uh, they are the number one brand and they asked me uh, to, you know, they want they wanted to see me mm. in a hotel. Mm. They said the vice president uh, is coming all the way from Tokyo to meet you mm. as, a, uh, as a top green campaigner. Mm. And I said, okay, let's sit down and see what happens. And so I went to the hotel in the lounge. We sat down, got introduced, uh, exchanged name cards. And they, they say, uh, why don't we go up to the suite up there in the 13th floor? Which hotel is this? Uh, uh, can I name it? Yeah, of course. Park Lane. Park Lane, okay. Uh, 13th floor. So uh, we went to a, lux a luxurious suite overlooking the park. 
and we sat down, you know, coffee, and uh, the um, vice president uh, from Tokyo started uh, talking. Well, through an interpreter, okay. And you know what happened was, uh, uh, he said, well, we are so grateful, Dr. Chow, that you care to uh, show concern about our products. And uh, we know that you uh, know a lot about MSG, but there must be something, other things which uh, we can supply for you uh, to make your wheel more holistic. And he started uh, handing out a, a large piles of, of, of their propaganda. Mm. And he said, why don't you come to our office? Our headquarters in Tokyo uh, will provide you with first-class flight and five-star hotel, uh, uh, you know. Mm. Uh, and then uh, come here for something like one week and we'll entertain you, we'll show you around. Mm. And you see the, the real uh, MSG uh, uh, um, production mm. and why it's good for people and I said well uh, uh, I'm not sure if I can you know uh, uh, spend uh, I can get away from my teaching load uh, and then he said he took up you know what he uh, uh, from his bag there's an envelope sealed envelope with nothing on it. And he said, well, uh, as a token of thanks, you might like to uh, take this with you. Um, um, uh, what would you do? If, uh, uh, if, if you depends how thick it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an, an envelope. Right. You don't know what's inside. No. Uh, so what do you say? I would accept it. I would say you thank would. you, yes, because I, I don't know what's inside. It's a gift. You would uh, yes. accept it? Yes. Mm -hmm. oh, um, well, I was writing for uh, the most prestigious column, uh, a newspaper mm. in Hong Kong mm. every day. Mm. I've been writing about MSG for over one month. Mm. And he was giving me large piles of information. So you, you knew what was in the envelope, right? Uh, I don't. No. I don't. Um, I said thank you. Well, I'm not supposed to accept gifts. I gave it back. Right. Mm -hmm. Actually, uh, uh, after that, um, 10, 20 years later, uh, I was asking ICAC people, you know, the uh, uh, anti-corruption yes. uh, uh, branch in the government, uh, uh, am I breaking the law by accepting if it's a check mm. or cash? Mm. Um, uh, you know what they said. I was asking in, uh, right in front of my class at the university. Uh, it's about professional ethics. Mm. Uh, 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 the, uh, every year we invite the ICAC uh, um, educators mm. to give a talk. Mm. Uh, so I asked uh, that question point blank. Mm. And the answer was officially that if I am a full-time, if I were a full-time employee of the newspaper, uh, I should ask permission from my uh, head first. Anything about $500 should be reported and uh, given back to the management. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But since I'm a freelancer, I can do whatever I like. Yes. That's why I said I would accept it, mm -hmm. but then you open it and you know, it depends what you find inside, right? Mm -hmm. If they're giving you a wad of cash, they're bribing you, mm -hmm. then I would give it back, mm -hmm. right? 
but you, you refused to take it. Mm -hmm. And you still don't know what was in there. No. <laughs> Maybe there was one million, one million dollars. <laughs> That's an amazing story. Mm -hmm. And this is 1987. Mm -hmm. And who was helping you with this MSG campaign? Oh, uh, actually my partner was Trini. Trini uh, Leung? Yes. Trini Leung, well, uh, both of us were, you know, new in the game. Yes. And, uh, you were youngsters back then. <laughs> very energetic and, well, I think both of us were chari charismatic, mm. you know, before the cameras and yes. we make a good pair. She was also one of the founders of the Conservancy Association? Very much, yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Well, um, I still miss her. Yes. Mm. Do you meet him? Is, do you still see her these days? Uh, do you spend much, time together? Not much, really. She's still on Lama Island, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, so, uh, so I heard. Maybe I should invite her to be my guest mm -hmm. uh, on the show. Or maybe we have, we have some food here. Yes. Together. Together. Mm -hmm. Or maybe we can invite Trini to mm -hmm. have breakfast with me next time. Good. Yes. So we can have a woman <laughs> on the show. <laughs> it's time. It's about time. It's about time. <laughs> yes. There's a few women actually I would love to invite and some may or might not be able to make it. Mm -hmm. But Simon, that's a wonderful story with the MSG, <laughs> you know, and well done for changing mm -hmm. people's mindsets. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. You said one in every four Hong Kong people mm -hmm. managed to change back mm -hmm. then. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Well done. It's been a pleasure having you for breakfast. Thank you so much for coming.